Unfound is brought to you by the generous listeners at Patreon, PayPal, and YouTube, along with our gracious advertisers. On this episode, I talk about UFOs, I analyze the curious identification of Philip Kahn, yep, I gotta ponder that police department in Tennessee, and I cover a whole bunch of other stuff, including my new air fryer. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound Live for January 16th, 2023. Why, yes, YouTube, I would love to go live. (laughs) How is everybody doing? I'm doing fantastic, kind of. I'll talk about that in a little bit. It is the live show for January 16th, 2023. It is not 2022 anymore. Can you already believe we're more than two weeks into this year? It seems like yesterday. It was funny. Um, You might remember that uh, New Year's Eve party I talked about that was held in this complex, not in this building, in the other building. This complex actually has two huge buildings, and the party was in the other one. But I I met my next-door neighbors over here in eight. 8C and over there and I haven't seen them since and then today as the sun was going down I was watching the sunset standing out in the balcony and they were out there it's the first time I've seen them since then so we were talking just back and forth to the balconies and I was even saying can you believe that was over two weeks ago it's just crazy I just don't know where the time goes in fact I was talking about that with a uh, a, a woman who's going to be uh, certainly a guest. In fact, I'm going to be interviewing her this Saturday. But we were talking about that, that it it seemed like I just talked to her the first time, like a couple of days before, and it had been like a week. It's so weird. I don't know. So um, there you go. I hope, like I said, I hope everybody's doing well. Let me just get all this stuff out of the way to start. What do I always tell all of you? Please hit the thumbs up button. It should just be automatic now. You should just do it. If you've been watching the live show for a while, it should just be self-conscious, subconscious, not self-conscious, subconscious. You get on, boom, hit the thumbs up. You're on there. You come in, you hit the link, boom, you hit the thumbs up. It should be subconscious by now. In It should be like an involuntary action, like when somebody like hits your knee and it kicks out, it should be like that now. That's where you should be. So give this video a thumbs up, and I will mention that before, uh, again, a few times before we're done tonight. Uh, Share this video if you um, are uh, in a family of friends who like true crime and and uh, follow the news in true crime. Maybe this is something that they would like to listen to. Of course, the regular podcast. Uh, you should turn them on to that as well. 
like it, uh, support this uh, channel, you can do that by hitting the Super Chat button. That is that little rectangle with the little dollar sign in there if you'd like to monetarily contribute to what we do here at Unfound. Please hit the Super Chat button and contribute an amount of your choice. And then if you'd like to go one step further, why not just sign up, join this channel, and get a few things uh, for signing up. And that join button is below my face right here. Of course, if you're watching on your phone, you're not going to see that join button. You are going to have to uh, go to a regular computer, maybe. Especially if you have an iPhone Uh, You will probably not see the uh, join button down there. I've run into that with a few people. All right, so I will probably mention some of those things later. Let's see who is in there to start this night. And I realize we've got a big football game going on tonight right here in Tampa Bay. About how far would that be away? Um, Let me think. If I were to drive to the stadium on a, on with no traffic, it probably takes about a half hour. So I'm going to say about 15 miles that way, exactly straight this way, uh, straight east, is where Tampa Bay Buccaneers are playing the, the Dallas Cowboys right now. I was watching it a little bit before I got started, uh, before I turned on the camera and started this live show. I am not, as a Steelers fan, I'm not supposed to root for the Cowboys, but I can't root for Tom Brady. So I'm hoping the Dallas Cowboys win, to be honest. No offense to all of my Tampa friends. But, um, yeah, so maybe some we might not have as big a crowd Uh, I know that the NFL does big numbers uh, in the playoffs, especially. So let's see who's in here. Hello, Charles. Uh, Charles, did you happen to see uh, the pictures or video of your uncle, my brother, Brian, uh, on the ski slopes? Did you happen to get those pictures? Hello, Karen. Hello, Kathy. Jasmine, Twinkle. And everything, what's going on? Everything 2020 uh, is still, uh, everything 2020 is still everything 2020, not moved up to everything 2023 yet. Hello, Rebecca. Thank you uh, for being a member of this channel, Rebecca. Hello, Mark. And hello, LaFord. What's going on, LaFord? So let's move into the, uh, you know, I always start out the live show with personal stuff, and that usually takes us well uh, into the two hours that this show usually is, but uh, I just like talking about this stuff, and I think uh, many people are amused, <laughs> maybe maybe entertained, certainly amused by some of the things uh, that I bring up that happen uh, you know, going on in my personal life. So I'll start uh, here where I usually most of the time do, and that is disc golf. Uh, played uh, this past Saturday morning, got up early. It was actually under 50 degrees on Saturday morning here, and it was windy too. And uh, had a one-round tournament to play over there at my local course, Taylor, and Taylor Lake uh, Disc Golf Course. 
And uh, I went over there the day before, and it was completely different conditions. It was like 20 degrees warmer, and it wasn't windy at all. And that was the first time I think I played that course in like two months and just haven't gotten and just been busy with Unfound and going to see my dad and things. But um, so I played on Saturday morning. I was one of the first groups to go out. Didn't play horribly. Um, shot about five shots worse than what I my average is over there. I usually shoot like a 53. And I shot a 58. Like I said, not great, but I haven't been practicing a lot. And uh, I didn't even finish, check to see where I finished in my division. Probably not very high. Certainly did not even come close to um, uh, winning it. But that's okay. I I haven't been playing a lot. And the conditions were not that great and everything else. And look at me making excuses. But um, played bad. Not not bad, but certainly not good. And just kind of, um, you know, after winning five times in 2022, that was really spectacular. But what I also realized is that my disc golf rating didn't go up that much. So I'm winning, but I wouldn't say that I was beating very, very, very difficult competition. And so I've resolved for 2023 to just kind of take my time, not being as competitive as I usually am, and just work more on changing up my game a little bit. Because there's, there's just some things that, I've, that are, have been in my game that like nobody else does, and I noticed that with my form and and some other things. So I'm trying to get those things out of my game because I do not think that they're helpful. I think it's like wasted motion, wasted energy. And so that's going to take some time to work on that. So I know that I'm going to get my butt kicked for a while. My rating is, has already dropped by several points and it's continue going to continue to drop. But I'm really, really, really trying to take a very uh, long-term view regarding all of this because I'm still in pretty good physical shape. And so I feel that as long as nothing else happens to me, that uh, I'll be playing the game for a while. So I need to be prepared for that. And it just doesn't seem that even though I was winning last year, uh, the, the form and the way I was playing – I don't know if it's workable long-term and it's not, I think a path to consistent performance and beating better players. So if I'm going to be playing for a long time, might as well get that sorted out right now. Really? I, after what went on between 2016 and 2021, I never thought I would win again. (laughs) And then, so I've gotten over kind of the mental stuff, although it's still an issue. I still have to really concentrate and, some things, but certainly I'm light years ahead of where I was just a you know a year and a half ago or something. So now the physical, you know, has to get in there somehow too. So there you go. Ah, uh, hello, yes, uh, yeah, LaFord. Hello, Jill. What's going up? It's up to you, Jill. Moving on, uh, many of you follow me on my personal page on Facebook, and I would ask anybody 
you know, if you're listening to this or watching tonight for the first time, or you are um, just hearing this podcast, uh, as it is a podcast now, just an audio show. If you're hearing this for the first time, you know, look me up on Facebook. Send me a friend's request. And as long as you're not too weird, we'll probably remain friends on there. I think what you'll find is on my personal page, uh, I think anybody who follows me there knows I crack a lot of jokes. And I stay away from anything controversial, no religion, no politics. And I really don't talk about that stuff much in my private life either. But I try to keep it light. I try to keep it funny. I do a lot of self-deprecating humor about myself. So if that sounds like something uh, that you need in your life, please look me up on Facebook and send me a friend's request. And I will most likely accept it. Um, Just as an example for all of you, uh, there's this running joke that's going on about eight or nine years now of me looking like Jason Bateman, even though it's hard to say I look like him now with this hair. But I continue to make that a running joke. I just will not let that joke die. And yesterday was Jason Bateman's birthday. And Jennifer Aniston on her Instagram page had a picture with with, uh, Jason Bateman. And so I say I screenshotted it and posted to my Facebook page. And I said, here, for all of you, who don't think I know Jen. That's the kind of stuff that I post on my Facebook page. Uh, Never post any memes or anything. I really just try to keep it original. You know, so many people on Facebook, they'll see uh, somebody else's joke or they'll see some meme and they'll re, you know, they'll re, you know, share it or, or, or post and everything. I try to just do all original stuff. I do. I try to do original material. And so sometimes it flops and then sometimes it's kind of funny, but I really do take pride in all of the posts that I put on Facebook uh, are my own jokes off the top of my own head. All right, moving on. Uh, as I was going to say, following uh, if you follow me on Facebook, you know that I got an air fryer and have made some very, very, very funny jokes about it. But I got to use it a few days ago and it went, it went okay. Um, Tried cooking some chicken wings in there. And just like the first time I cooked wings with oil, didn't exactly go as I planned. This did not go as I planned either. Of course, now that I've cooked chicken wings with just in a pot with oil, I have that down to a science. Uh, I can make the skin really, really crispy. I know the exact amount of time. I realize that, you know, I cook all the drumettes in one, you know, together. And then I cook all the the flats together because they do take different amount of times to just cook precisely. Uh, It seems to me the drumettes take about a couple couple minutes longer than the flats. It's something, it's something I now know after cooking uh, about 30 batches of wings over the past year and a half or something. And so I think it's going to take time with this air fryer, too. The big thing about the air fryer was that the meat itself came out great. All right. It was certainly cooked, certainly tender. 
Um, followed a recipe I found here on YouTube. Look at me being all domesticated. And the meat came out fine. But the outside, whereas I can get it really crispy using oil, the outside of it was just not like that. It was just like regular chicken skin. And anybody knows if you're cooking a chicken wing the right way, you got to have that crispy outside. You got to have that. And it can't be contrived. I don't believe in breading wings or anything like that. So I've talked to my sister a little bit. You know, is there something that I didn't do right? I don't know. I really dried the wings out before I put them in there. Do I have to cook at a higher heat? It's probably going to take some experimentation with that. Maybe a little bit more than I than I had to do with the oil. But otherwise, it certainly is a lot cleaner. And it certainly is a lot quicker. But what I would say about my cooking of wings now, when it comes to cooking in the pot, I'm certainly a, you know, I'm going to give myself a grade A. I, I think that, um, you know, royalty could show up at my condo here and I could uh, cook wings and, uh, you know, a king and queen would be very, very, very pleased. That's how good I think my wings are, the way I cook them. Whereas with the air fryer, the first time I'm going to give myself like a C minus. The meat, I said, like I said, was good, but you don't have that crisp, crispiness on the outside. It just is not the same. It's just not. So, um, and I realize cooking in the air fryer is healthier, it's cleaner, but if you can't get it the way you want, then what are you doing? Now, of course, I'll be able to use the air fryer for some other things, and that's um, what I'll be working on as well. By the way, if anybody's interested, I did, I got a Ninja air fryer. It is a five quart Ninja. And, uh, I need to thank my dad for that because I used the gift card he got me for Christmas, uh, to buy it. Uh, and if, if anybody's interested in the price, I got it from Walmart online and I think it was $85. I think so. And then was the shipping free? I don't even know, but I don't even remember. But um, it worked as advertised, but I think it's uh, a user. I don't think it's the fryer necessarily right now. It might be me. However, if I keep continuing to, um, you know, if I cook wings uh, again and again and again and I just can't get it right, then it might be the fryer itself. And I might just use the fryer for other things and but use continue to use the oil when I'm cooking wings because – I love wings, and uh, this kind of takes me into the, the next topic. You know, the weird thing is that with the dietary issues that I have, chicken wings are one of those things that I can just eat as many as I want. Uh, there are no, depending, of course, on the sauce, but there are no, um, of course, gluten issues with chicken wings. There are no FODMAP issues with chicken wings. Uh, chicken itself is great for both. So um, I got to eat a lot of chicken and things because uh, I'm quickly finding out more and more that there's just a lot uh, my body is just becoming more and more sensitive to certain foods that I think maybe everybody else just takes for granted. I'm eating fine and everything, but 
it does get a little weird sometimes. And so I'm going to be talking to you. I'm going to my doctor uh, tomorrow. It was just an annual checkup. And I haven't, I haven't seen my doctor since November, no, early December of 2021. So it's been over a year since I've seen him. I don't get sick. Um, but I do have allergies and, um, I do have this FODMAP issue. I think that continues and continues to build itself a little by little by little. And I do, I have some lactose intolerance issues and, and gluten issues. It's, you know, like I said, you add that all up. There is really only so much that I can eat. The good news is that I can eat all the meat that I want as long as it's not processed. On that note, though, I did get this product called Fodzyme, F-O-D-Z-Y-M-E, and uh, I'm trying that out, and I think it kind of works. This was recommended to me by Charles's mother, my sister, Diane, and I experimented with it uh, this past Thursday at Trivia. I ordered a Western burger, which came with Western burgers have, you know, you get the meat, but you they come with these huge, like, um, fried onions on them. And so I said, well, that, you know, we'll try this Fodzyme out and see how it works. And usually onions are one of those things. If you've got FODMAP issues, and you can look FODMAP up, I'm not going to try it. It's, it's a, what is it, an anagram for certain things that you can't eat that, like, upset your intestines. And it's like an allergic reaction. And onions are like one of the worst things. That and garlic. It's like garlic and onions, two of the worst things. Also apples, which I've known for a long time. I can't eat apples. But I, and it was okay. I will admit on Friday morning when I got up, when I woke up, the, you know, my stomach was like a little sore, but it wasn't any gas pains. It was more like it felt like I did 100 sit-ups than anything else, which is much better than what he, the way it usually is. So maybe that's a step in uh, the right direction. And Fodzyme, this powder that I ordered, um, really it can't protect you against everything, but mainly foods that have oligos in them. Uh, it's a chemical. Uh, compound of such and garlic and onions are two of the main things that can you know really really mess your intestines up if you have FODMAP issues but this FODZYME this powder is the main thing to combat that and I mean when you start thinking about everything that you eat that has garlic and onions in it you you start looking at um, salsa and all of your, you know, your like powdered, so- you know, stuff and sauces and everything, you start looking at how much stuff has uh, garlic and onions in it. It's like <laughs> you can't eat anything. So, and of course, garlic and onions are supposed to be, um, you know, you know, good for you too. I mean, if this was like soda. Or, or something which, you know, I'm not supposed to drink because it has fructose in it, which also is a FODMAP issue. Um, you know, you could do that. But when you start talking about healthy foods that you're not supposed to eat, like, you, like your body, the, your 
your body, the rest of your body, you know, needs it or, you know, can help your body like garlic, then that starts to become, you know, a problem. So uh, I'm working on that. Uh, can't say I'm surprised at all by this because I've always been kind of a picky eater anyway. I've known for at least 30 years that there's just things that my body cannot eat. I, I can't eat certain things. And that's why I have these very, very weird, you know, a, a lot of things that people eat all the time. I won't eat like ketchup and apples and mac and cheese and things like that. I mean, I've always had kind of a weird um, dietary tastes, but now I'm in my fifties and these things just seem to be getting a little worse. And I'll have to adapt. Uh, it's not like I'm uh, losing weight or anything. In fact, I could afford probably to lose a couple pounds. So um, uh, actually, I, I look great. I feel great. Uh, so it's not affecting my uh, eating habits at all. It's just you really have to switch it up. You really have to start looking at things very carefully. So what's uh, everybody saying here? Uh, everything says, Ed, you're making me hungry. Sorry. Deborah, what's going on? Good to see you. Peace to you, Deborah. Charles, that stuff is working for mom. I think it is. Uh, when I um, saw your mother, Charles, when I was up in Pennsylvania, of course, we had a long talk about all of that. And I've texted back and forth with her over the last couple of days, both about the air fryer and about... Uh, dietary issues and Fodzyme and, and all of this stuff. So, um, yeah, just uh, continue to work through it. Um, it'll be good to see the doctor tomorrow because if you don't know what happens when you eat things that, you know, there's certain different ways that, that allergies can show themselves when you are allergic to foods. Now, of course, if you're really, really, really allergic, you throw up. Now, I, to my knowledge, I'm not that allergic to anything food-wise. But for me, like sauerkraut, uh, if I eat it, I start coughing. If I eat strawberries, uh, cantaloupe, and honeydew, that you know, fruits in that family, my my throat really, really, really starts to itch, and I'm, I may even get some asthma. And so, when it comes to like gluten. In FODMAP issues, what I get is you have this constant like twitching in your stomach. It doesn't hurt, but it just feels like your regular stomach muscles are like twitching or something. But really, that is your intestines reacting to something that is foreign to them that it doesn't like. That's what goes on. And so I've just noticed over the last couple months that. I've I've just been noticing that way more than usual. Everything comes out the other end fine, not to gross everybody out, but it is weird. It doesn't hurt. It's just weird. Um, Jasmine says, yes, I'm allergic to onions. Dilly, onions and tomatoes bother me. Didn't happen until I reached my 40s. A lot of this stuff is certainly age-related, um, Dilly. And uh, Twinkle, do you take vitamins since you can't eat a lot of vegetables and fruits? I don't. Uh, the only vitamin I take is a vitamin D, uh, Twinkle, uh, because my uh, 
doctor knows that I don't get outside that much because I work from home. Dilly, thanks for sharing that. I'll have to look into it. Yeah, you might want to try Fodzyme, F-O-D-Z-Y-M-E. There you go. Cantaloupe's man is pecans. Do that to my throat too. Have since I was younger. Me too. Yeah, I haven't been able to eat. Uh, I could eat bananas, but I've been trying to avoid those. Um, but yeah, cantaloupe and strawberries, just no go. And then, so that's what's going on in my dietary issues. I know you're all loving to hear that, but I, I you know, I, I have to admit, I've even thought about, you know, being that the, the YouTube channel is now over 15,000 viewers, I've actually thought about doing kind of a, um, I don't know, would you call it a public service announcement about this or something? Because I realize with 15,000 subscribers to the YouTube channel, you're going to have people uh, who, who suffer from these things and they may not, um, you know, realize what's going on. You know, a lot of people don't, but, um, you know, if I can help some people uh, get some help and spread the word, the education about these issues, then I think I would like, to, you know, I, I would like to do that. Um you know, for me, I think it helps because I'm not afraid to go to the doctor. I, I don't mind it. You know, uh, of course, I'm not, you know, it's easy for me to talk. I haven't had a, a lot, ton of bad things happen to me in my life, except for that asthma that almost killed me like five years ago, something like that, when I still lived down in Madeira Beach. But I take an interest in these things. I try not to self-diagnose too much. But as we all know, when it takes, when you want to schedule just a regular doctor's appointment, and I made this appointment for tomorrow. I made it back in November. Or maybe uh, November sometime. You, you can't help but start looking on the computer. Well, if the doctor's not going to see me till the middle of January then I guess I'm going to just have to play, you know, I, I'm not a doctor, but I play one at home. So, and I'm going to tell the doctor that tomorrow, by the way. So, um, but I take an interest, interest in these things. And right before I started the show tonight, I was actually creating a doc file, you know, listing all these different foods, like from different websites, you know, things that are FODMAP friendly, gluten-free friendly, and then all the stuff I can't eat. And so I was highlighting all the stuff that I can eat in green. And then highlighting all the stuff I can't eat in red. And I eventually am going to get it into some sort of, you know, right now it's just a bunch of words. But into some orderly fashion, orderly list so I can print it out and tape it somewhere so I don't forget. And it, it, and it just becomes, you know, part of my memory. Because... It's so weird. For example, you know, it's something weird like this. Soy is, you know, there's certain foods that are FODMAP friendly and there's certainly foods that are gluten friendly, but then those same foods that are FODMAP friendly might not be gluten friendly. And the, the foods that are gluten friendly aren't FODMAP friendly. So you have to combine these two groups and then intersect them and see what's left, <laughs> what you can eat. And so that's what I'm going to do with that list. Hello, Fairy. Twinkle, I hope your doctor's watching your cholesterol. Yeah, my cholesterol is fine. I do take uh, cholesterol medicine, Twinkle, but I've been doing that for like 15 years. Uh, in fact, my cholesterol uh, was the lowest. The last time I was there a year ago, 
over a year ago, it was the lowest it had been in years and years and years. So, and finally, uh, being that I did do uh, a little bit of show and tell um, after Christmas, I did show you this new uh, gun that I got called a Keltec Sub 2000, but I told you uh, last live show that I had taken it to the range and, um, you know, it's a great gun, but if you're going to shoot it at the range, it's a little difficult just the way it's engineered. You can't use regular, you know, headphone types of ear protection because you really have to get down on that gun with the stock right here. And every time you fire the gun, the stock wants to move a little bit and it'll actually kick. Of course, I'm right. I shoot right-handed. Uh, it'll kick this one off and then you get this ringing in your ear. And it's really bothered me when I went to the, when I went to the range uh, with my friend Carla a couple weeks ago. Well, I, fi- I did get, finally got regular, um, you know, earplugs that you can put inside, you know, these little rubbery things that you actually go in your side ears. And I would usually stay away from that because I hate stuff being put in my ears. That's why I don't like regular, like headphones for music, like earbuds and all those things. No way. Hate it. Just, ugh. But if I'm going to be able to shoot that gun at the range, I'm going to have to use those. And so I used those this past, um, when was I there? Not yesterday. I was there on, what was it, Friday morning? What, it was, I think it was Friday morning. Yeah, it was Friday morning uh, that I went over there and used those. And the gun is absolutely spectacular. Using those, using those plugs in there. I was shooting out to 75 feet with just the regular, what they call iron sights, the sights that come with the gun. And once I figured it out, once I got to the second page of um the target the second target that i put up uh it was absolutely spectacular uh really really good and you know if you're into guns and you're looking for an inexpensive but very reliable uh gun very efficient easy to shoot i'd certainly recommend the keltec uh sub 2000 the ammunition for it is nine millimeter, which you know you can find anywhere. And it's the most common ammunition. It takes standard Glock magazines. Glock magazines are fairly cheap compared to magazines that you might use for a Beretta or other manufacturers. It's very compact, as I showed. You can fold it up, and if you're into hiking, if you're you know going for days at a time, and you're going to be out in the middle of nowhere, you never know who you're going to run into. That might be the kind of gun you want to carry. You can carry it in a backpack, and it's only like four and a half pounds. Uh, and just to tell you, the, the rifle that when I bought it locally was, um, uh, you know, $530. And then I ended up getting, what else did I, and I ended up getting a, a bag for it and some other things. But I just don't think you're going to, you know, be able to do much better than that. So it's certainly something I would normally stay away from. Keltec pistols and things really not my thing. They're a little too whiz bang tricky. Uh, you know the engineering's very unique, and even this gun is unique. But you might want to take a look at it. Um, you know, because I know a lot of time when people start thinking, oh, rifles, 
and, and, and you know, they're long and everything that can be heavy. This is the exact opposite of that. And it's very affordable. So there you go. Um, Charles, my buddy, Steve has that same gun. That's, uh, great. They made a gen one and uh, now this is gen two, Charlie. So this gun has been around for over 20 years. Uh, but gen two, probably the last 10 years or something like that. They made some improvements, but it's just the gun that got on my radar within the last couple months. And being that I already have nine millimeter ammunition, ammunition, and already have Glock magazines because I have Glock 19. It's the same magazine for both. It just seemed like, well, that's a pretty, 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 pretty good deal. All I have to do is buy the gun and I don't have to get anything else. So there you go. And uh, yes, that gun will have a um, you know purpose as far as for self-defense of myself, this condo. And anywhere I may go, but that's all I really want to say about it right now. All of you know already that I'm a concealed carry person here in Florida. We're allowed to do that here. And my everyday gun that I carry with me anytime I go out is a Glock 19 Gen 3. So there you go. Those earplugs work just as planned. And so I just was so excited on Friday morning when I got there and started just nailing the target over over and over 75 feet not very long for a rifle but you know probably when i go next time i'll probably move it out to 150 feet and see how i can do there all right um by the way i did not um at least i don't think i did let's just check that uh very 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 quickly let's see here i'm just checking to see wow 14 how about that I'm just checking to see if I got any questions. Anybody would uh, want me to answer any questions during uh, the live show tonight. Please ask anything um, in particular. All you have to do is ask as long as it's PG and not too personal. Uh, Once again, Charles, your buddy Steve has that same gun. Um, Wonder, Charles, have you ever gone and shot it? Um, you know, I really don't know what the gun laws are in Colorado. Mark Dallas putting a whooping on the bucks. Uh, happy to hear it. I, the last thing I saw, Mark, before I switched the TV off uh, to start the show was uh, Brady throwing that interception in the end zone. That was the last thing. So what is the score uh, right now? Twinkle, go Dallas. Valerie, I'm here late. Just got off work. Well, I just got none through the personal section of the uh, show tonight, Valerie, you will have to rewind it to use uh, showing my age there, going back to the 1980s and VHS tapes. You will have to rewind it uh, to see the first 38 minutes. But thanks for joining in tonight, Valerie. All right, let's go on, uh, move on to the items uh, for tonight's show. And, you, you know, I usually start with the unfound poll. Um, but I'm going to start somewhere else, uh, just because, uh, we had a, um, 18, nothing Dallas. Okay. Thank you, Mark. Um, thanks. And, uh, Mark, do not, uh, if anybody wants to keep us updated as we do the show tonight, feel free to do so. That'd be very kind. That'd be very considerate. Um, uh, I want to start here. It's a very sad story. Um, I can't say that I knew this guy very well. I knew him to see him. 
I think he knew who I was, although we had not played disc golf together in some years. But I had played on a couple of in the same division as him a couple times. I don't know, maybe going back to like 2015, 2014, 2015. And then even when we weren't in the same divisions, I would see him at tournaments. And his name was Justin Dar, D-A-R-R. And he was from uh, Parrish, Florida, which is south of me across the Skyway Bridge, down there in that Bradenton, Sarasota area. And he went missing a week ago. He went missing. Uh, I had not seen him. You know, I, I would even have to check the PDGA website to see the last uh, disc golf tournament that he played. And you should know, very good player. Justin, very good player. When I played with him, was always very impressed. He was an amateur, but way better than I probably ever will be. But was always, always very impressed. Good guy, kind of a quiet guy. Um, and he was actually older uh, now that I, than I thought he was. Um, but he went missing on even more than a week ago. I think he went missing around January 7th. And uh, as soon as I saw that his sister had posted something, I had reached out to them. I, I will tell you that they never did uh, get back to me. Um, of course, many disc golfers who I play with um, do know what I do, even though I really don't talk about it at disc golf tournaments. But one way or another, people find out. And... Uh, some disc golfers reached out to me. Hey, do you hear about Justin going missing? And I said, yes. And I'd reached out to um, his family, at least his sister, who was posting about him going missing. And, um, you know, she never, I never did talk to anybody in his family, but I did, of course, talk to some other disc golfers who were following what was going on. The circumstances was that, um, I guess it would have been Saturday, January 7th was a Saturday. He had been at home and then nobody had heard from him for a while. And the last contact with him was like 8, like 8 p.m. on that Saturday evening or night, however you want to put it. And then nobody heard from him and they found out that he had shut his phone off at like 2 in the morning. So into the next morning. So January 8th at like 2 in the morning. They went over to his house. They found all, you know, the, his pets were there. The lights were on. His car was there. Kind of uh, a situation that, you know, we've run across, you know, at least a few times on episodes of Unfound. And we know that when we start hearing those circumstances, uh, of course, you know, we get the worst ideas about what probably happened. In addition, you should know that, you know, I, I don't, like I said, I didn't know Justin. It, you know, if I were, would have seen him at a, a recent disc golf tournament, let's say toward the end of 2022, certainly would have said hi to him. I know his name. I don't know what we could have talked about or anything. Hey, Justin, what's up? Hey, you know. But, you know, I don't know if he had any, uh, I don't know if he had any addictions. I don't know if he had any mental issues or anything else. But we know when um, we hear about circumstances that somebody's 
you know, not been heard from her for a while. People go over the cars there. The lights are on. The pets haven't been cared for. The phone is turned off. And on top of everything else, it's not really believed that this person was doing anything with his or her life that, um, you know, anybody was after that person or anything. You know, you start to think, you know, of course, even if you think, of course, it's bad news if they, you know, if you do think somebody was after them too. But you start to think probably this is a situation where this person walked off and you're hoping that uh, maybe this person can be found before this, you know, this person harms himself. Unfortunately, that did not happen. Uh, Justin Dar was found deceased in a nearby um, retention pond not far uh, from his house. And there's no allegations of foul play or anything else. Um, and uh, it was, <clears throat> uh, did he have, no, um, did he have any family? I don't think he had any kids fairy um, or anything, but um, he was a, he was a uh, physical education teacher. And um, that's what he did for his job. And I don't know what else he did with his life besides disc golf. I really, I really don't know. But he was found nearby. It was another disc golfer who found him. Another disc golfer who I know, although once again, not very well, but I, I know him to see him. But they were using a drone flying over and they flew over this one retention pond and Justin was found. Um... You know, you just don't know. Just, uh, you know, so a lot of times, I don't know, like I said, I don't know what was going on with his life. Maybe I will eventually hear th- things. And even if and I do, I don't know if I could talk about them publicly, even if I heard them. But just don't know what's going on with people. I don't know what happened here. Um, this is the second disc golfer kind of in within, at least that I know of within this area of like Pinellas County, um, Hillsborough County going that direction over toward Orlando and then kind of South Sarasota, Bradenton, because all these people, you know, we play a lot of tournaments together. You see a lot of the same people at these tournaments. Well, uh, we had a disc golfer commit suicide on a disc golf course. Um, December of 2021. His name was Matt Eady. Now, he him, I'd never played with him. And really, even when I saw his picture, I was like, oh, yeah, I do remember. But I don't, I know I never spoke to him or anything. But um, we actually had a disc golfer commit suicide on a disc golf course with a gun in December of 2021. And now we have uh, Justin Dar, who I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what happened, but he, I don't think there was any foul play. But he was found in this retention pond, and it's very, very sad. Um, but I, I have to be honest: if I would have spoken to his family before they found him, probably any advice that I would have given them um, probably would have, you know, would have led them right in the direction that it ended up going. 
that I would have said that if we're to believe it wasn't foul play, if somebody really didn't go to his house and snatch him up, you know, abduct him from his house, which I really, really, that never occurred to me at all. Um, that it would have been a situation, well, you know, you got, if, you know, this kind of does look like somebody who walked off my experience is that these people usually do not go very far. That you need to look in bodies of water and there is a river like about a mile south of where he lived. You need to look at these little lakes and ponds and nothing, no, not any one of them is too small. This is what I would have told him. I guess I would have been right. You know, uh, sometimes you just hate knowing so much about such things. And so uh, it's it's a shame. Uh, I, the memories I have of Justin Darr, a uh, good guy, like I said, I didn't know him well, and I had not talked to him in a while, and I had not seen him in a while. But certainly when I heard that he was missing, I could automatically picture what he looked like and I remember him playing on the same card with him over in Orlando. Like I said, it must have been 2014, 2015, and he kicked my butt. Very good player. And seeing had a lot of friends, obviously. Good guy. And it's very, um, very, very sad. But I just don't know what was going on with him. Like I said, I, I don't think anybody knew him to have any addictions. I don't think this... Um, it's kind of like a Noah Davis situation or it's an overdose and everything. I would be, I would be stunned if it was something like that. I just don't think that that was kind of the reputation that Justin Dar had. So, but I guess he was struggling with some things. Um, I don't know. Don't know. Very sad. Um, Everything says, yeah, very sad, Ferry. How'd they figure out he went missing so fast? What well, took some time? I think, Ferry, people were just, you know, trying to find him. I think he was a guy who uh, kept in touch with family and friends on a daily basis. I think that was one of the reasons. And then when nobody heard from him, nobody could get in touch with him. That's when people started getting very worried, went over to his place and found, you know, that, like I said, Looks like the pets had not been taken care of. I don't know how many had. I, I think there was, I think he had a cat. He had pictures of a cat, him with a cat on his Facebook page. But the lights are on. Nobody's home. The car is there. They can't reach him. We all, we, we all know that's very, very bad signs. Now, if it was a woman, now, you know, we, the, this is how sometimes when we get into you know, gender issues with disappearances. Men disappear for certain reasons. Women disappear for certain reasons. Now, both can certainly walk off and harm themselves. Very sad. But I think if it wasn't Justin Dar, it was Janine Dar. And, you know, she hadn't been reached for a while. She was living by herself and people go over there. I think it certainly, you know, raises... You know, there's maybe a better chance that did she get abducted? Did she have some ex-boyfriend that showed up and dragged her out of the house or something? That's certainly going to be much more probable with a woman than it's going to be with a guy. Even if the woman is a pillar of the community, everything, every you know, you know, good woman living, uh, making good choices in her life 
usually has at least one crazy ex-boyfriend. That's just the way life goes. So that's much more of an option. Where with Ramen, in under those circumstances, when you have a guy like Justin Dar, who's a good guy and a teacher and everything, and these are the circumstances, it, it just goes right to this. This sounds like a situation where he left all on his own. So Valerie says, "Was he found in a car?" That's awful. No, uh, not in a car. His car was left at his house, Valerie. I think it was just his body was in this retention pond. So. I don't know if we'll ever, ever know all the details. I, like I said, I didn't know just maybe he was a guy who had been struggling with um, depression issues or did he have something happen? Did he lose his job? Did he get in trouble for something? I really, I really, really don't know. Um, you know, a lot of things can bring on bad thoughts and, you know, thinking about making bad decisions could have been a health issue. I really don't know. So, but sad uh, no matter what. It's very sad. So, um, yeah, so I wanted to start with that. Uh, hits very, very close to home. You know, seeing his sister post, you know, she doesn't know what to do. Who are they supposed to call? Um, getting people involved. It's just it was, you know, just like we talk about in the episodes when we, you hear from the guests and when they find out that a loved one is missing, same thing, but it's very, very, you know, close. And I guess that's one of the issues um, that if you know enough people, and I certainly know quite a few here in Florida, of course, mainly from disc golfing, uh, mainly men, you know, having that I've disc golfed the whole way over to Daytona, the whole way up to like Floral City, the whole way south down to Estero. I've played a lot with a lot of people. And so when you know a lot of people like that, the odds are that once in a while a disappearance in that group is going to happen. Of course, you hope that that person is found alive quickly. But when you know enough people like that, it's going to happen can never predict who will be next. All right. Uh, now getting back to the um, poll that um, that uh, uh, I, of course, post in the discussion group every week. Kind of kept it, uh, kept kind of the theorizing out of it this week. I don't know if anybody really doubts that Kelly Russ uh, is responsible for the disappearance of Leslie and three of her children. I, I don't know if we, anybody can really, really doubt that. So what I asked the question was, do you think that um, he caused this disappearance because Leslie was going to leave him? And, and an overwhelming part, group of you thought, no, that's really the exact opposite of the way I thought it was going to go. I thought, I have to admit that my theory is that he did this because she was going to leave them, take all the kids, and he couldn't stand that. But obviously, um, you and the group thought, uh, majority of the group thought otherwise. Now, I will tell you in the think tank that was conducted last night, of course, it's just about every Sunday evening, unless something's going on. We didn't have it on Christmas uh, for obvious reasons, but... Really didn't get too much into that. So I really can't compare 
uh, as I usually like to do, the think tank versus the discussion group, because a lot of times it's like the total opposite. In fact, I would think that they differ, the think tank poll and the discussion group poll differ, oppose each other way more than they ever agree. It's it's very been very interesting for me to watch as many years as I've, I've been doing both. So, uh, but in the in the blog, if you'd like to read the blog, and of course, I'm I'm going to start mentioning that at the end of every episode. Patreon.com forward slash Unfound Podcast. If you'd like to hear my thoughts, my own personal opinions on these disappearances that we cover, you can sign up there. Um, really, what I got into that I really just went by. Um, Um, you know, starting out Kelly and, and, uh, Leslie meeting for the first time, taking that whole up, whole way up to her going missing and the dynamics all of, of all of it, you know, Kelly being a predator, Leslie being a victim, kids getting caught up, you know, in all of this, uh, being what we might call collateral damage. Uh, of course, Greg and Stephanie, still being alive to this day, kind of analyzed all of that because I think Kelly Russ is, you know, is a, a very common type of person that pops up uh, on unfound episodes as those kinds of, on any program or TV show, YouTube channel that covers disappearances. That type of person pops up very often, you know, and, and I think that we can't do enough to try to understand these people as much as possible and, and look for the warning signs and try to tell people about the warning signs, mainly women and try to keep the next disappearance from happening and being caused by one of these types of people. So if you'd like to see what I wrote there, um, it is patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. That's a very, very great way that you can support what we do here. Mark says, could have been an accidental, particularly with no arrangements made for the pets. Being terminally ill, my biggest worry is about my dogs. Yeah, Mark. I just don't know. Um, I, like I said, I knew Justin, knew him well enough to know that he, that he was a good guy. And everybody uh, who knew him, other disc golfers, talked very highly of him. But could it have been an accident? I guess. Um, But it just... I will tell you that I don't think that, that that's what the family thought when they found out that he was missing just from the tone and... Uh, everybody, how everybody's responses and everything. Could he have gone out for a walk and fell in? And I guess, I guess it's possible. I don't know if there's any physical evidence to rule that out, but when I hear what you're saying about pets, um, I hear what you're saying about that, but, uh, if people will leave their kids and do these things, Mark, then people will surely leave their pets and do these things. That's what happened. Lori, I watched that story on Thursday night. Then it wasn't there. Uh, what story are you talking about, Lori? I watched that story on Thursday night. Then it wasn't there. Lori, what story are you talking about? 
So moving on, um, I got some, uh, one of the things that I had on the list for 2023, I'm going to be talking about something else here in a bit too. Um, watch the story Friday's episode. Um, it's still up there, Lori. Uh, Friday's up. Ep- this past Friday's episode is surely still on. I mean, I'll check it just to make sure just for you, Lori. Yep, it's still public, and yep, it's being viewed. It is still there, Lori, so I don't know what to tell you. It's still there and public. But um, one of the things I have on a list of things I want to get done this year was start talking to kind of reestablish connection with people um, on for TV production. As you know, as I've talked about once in a while, I have spoken to quite a few TV people over the, like the last five years. Maybe not in that first year of Unfound, but certainly starting in the second year and you know maybe once a year, twice a year, something like that. And as you know, I'm currently working with the UK company regarding the, uh, the murder of Janelle Matthews. But I wanted to uh, reestablish, I've not talked to any of these people in a while. So I emailed them this past weekend. And so I'm going to be having a talk later this week. Um, a couple people got right back to me, very happy um, that we could hook up again. And so I'm going to be talking to one of them, I think on Friday and then uh, another one on Monday and really anything goes, um, no expectations. It's just that I had not talked to any of these people in a few years and I don't like to get out of contact with anybody and not just because it's TV people that goes with guests that goes with people who have helped me with the podcast at one time or another with something. I don't like to not, I don't like to go years without talking to these people. And uh, I think it was just time for me to, you know, reestablish connections with some of these people. Um, you know, we have to remember in some of these situations, when I first talked to some of these people, unfounded only done like a hundred episodes or something. I mean, this was well before the Tom Brown episode ever happened. This is well before uh, the interview with Steve Pankey ever happened. You know, a lot of things that have been at what we might call milestones on Unfound, things that kind of just, of course, every episode is the same to me. But I also realized from a public point of view, there are certain things that Unfound has done over the last six and a half years that stick out more than other things. It's just the way it is. That's not how I look at it. But. Um, before, I uh, got hooked up with Spotify and by the way, you should know that, uh, Spotify will be having unfound for another year. I signed another contract, so I'll be good to March 1st of 2024. So I'm very excited about that. I, I, I thank them. Certainly that's, that's a big deal, but you know, before that, which has certainly raised the profile of the podcast, a lot of these people I talked to even before this YouTube channel got started. So um, it's a lot different situation, and I've had a chance to, uh, you know, think about what I'm doing here, much more comfortable in my own skin. 
you know, speaking at schools and all these things, everything that can be added to a resume if, you know, we want to get together on a project. Maybe uh, a missing person's like disappeared but better or maybe some sort of fictional show. And yes, I do have something in mind uh, that would be a lot different than what has been done for a fictional TV series regarding disappearances, like that, that show that's not what's called Alert or whatever, which I heard is terrible. Oh, I've not watched it. Uh, without a trace, you know, something, you know, way different than any of those. I've had a chance to sketch something out that I think could satisfy my ideas about realism and really treating missing persons cases as they really are. But then also from their point of view as a TV production company, how they like to uh, wrap up things. They don't like loose ends at the end of episodes. I think that, you know, I've had a lot of time to think about that. And I think that there's a way to satisfy both sides, which is not something uh, I had a chance to think about or had the experience to think about when I had some of these discussions maybe three, four years ago. So I'm going to have be having a talk. Actually, I have a talk with the UK company I'm already have a contract with tomorrow morning. But then later this week, Friday, and then Monday uh, will be other meetings. And I just don't think they're going to, they're not going to be Steve Pankey based anyway. They're going to be, I think, a, a more, you know, wider idea. At least that's my, that's uh, what I'm thinking. So um, just wanted to let you know uh, regarding that. What are some of you saying? Uh, Thursday, then it wasn't there, Mark. Um, Thursday, then it wasn't there to share. I don't know what to tell you, uh, Lori. Uh, it's there now. Uh, the Friday's episode, The Disappearance of Leslie Allen and Three of Her Children, is certainly public on YouTube now. Marketing just sucks when somebody passes away before they grow old. It does, Mark. It does. Um, yeah. Valley, in the last episode, Stephanie and Greg, the adopted dad, could not take them. I wish he'd go fund me for the liar cost. Yeah. That's something that is still a big question mark. That was so we spent a considerable amount of time on that in the think tank last night. And if you'd like to be part of the think tank, patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. Everything I posted on your Facebook at a pick with yours and Justin Dar's names on a disc golf scorecard. Wow. That's right. Yep, I was on a card. Uh, like I said, it's been a while. Um we played on the same card in the same division. The one time that sticks out, we were playing at, uh, that's uh, not Barnett Park. It's the other one, Turkey Lake Park in Orlando. And uh, I can remember playing with on his card. On the, there's two courses there, and it's the course they call T2. I still remember that round. And I just remember him just completely, you know, shredding it. <laughs> Me not shredding it. So, okay. Uh, so that's uh, TV production news. Uh, moving on. Next thing I want to talk about uh, is we're going to be, um, you know, one thing I don't talk about too much. Uh, I haven't talked about it for quite a while because there's nothing, there was nothing to talk about is unfound merchandise. 
Uh, it's kind of been so far on the back burner that it's not even that it hasn't even been on the stove. And that was another thing on my list for 2023 that I, you know, that had or has to be turned around. And luckily I found somebody and she knows who she is that um, she's a long time unfound listener. She's a member of think tank. She, uh, you know, I've talked to her many times about cases and I'll have, you know, that she's done some spectacular work on, um, on a disappearance. Um, and I hate when I go for somebody's name and I can't think of it, but she has done some spectacular work. And uh, even to the point that I think uh, she even got her name in an article. Um, I'm just going to have to look this up. I hate when this happens. But um, come on now. Thank you, Kathy, Rebecca, Gary. <laughs> Thank you. I knew somebody would come through before I found it. Yes, uh, she has done some spectacular work with uh, on the disappearance of Rebecca Gary. I think even getting her name in one of the uh, articles that um, you know bringing you know some attention back to this disappearance that's now over thirty years old. And so she's a person I've gotten to know really well. In addition, she has a lot of. Um, create, you know, creative experience. Uh, she runs her own, uh, store online for what she does as her main job. And she is now going to be in charge of it. And we're going to start completely from scratch. It's going to be as if never did anything before. And she and I had a great conversation after the think tank last night. And, uh, I'm just, you know, going to put her in charge of it. I have, um, I have complete faith in her. Uh, she certainly knows what she's doing regarding this. She's very creative, very conscientious. And, um, it's something that's maybe going to take a little while to get up and running, but it's just one of those things that unfound is probably one, of the, you know, one of the only few podcasts that has been around for a while that really has not had any merchandise stuff going on for a while. And to the, in fact, just recently I shut down the Shopify store because it's just been neglected and uh, a little embarrassing. So I just totally took the whole thing offline and just resolved, you know, we're just, I'd rather just not do anything, but uh, we're going to do something certainly in 2023. And we'll see how it goes. So be looking for that. It's not going to like happen tomorrow, but I, I'm hoping it can be up and running in the next couple of months. And then I will start talking about it and then I will integrate it into mentioning in the episodes and on Facebook and, and everywhere else. But that is a, um, you know, that's going to be a big change, another big change for 2023. 
as far as um, costs and everything, as I was telling her last night, I want to get to the point where we're making money with the store, but then that money can be donated to some sort of 501c3 to charity or something like that. I've seen John Lorden do that, seen other people do that. And, you know, we should be doing that too. And it's just been totally, totally neglected for a lot of different reasons. And then on top of that, there's a podcast to do. So I think she's going to do a fantastic job. Like I said, I'm putting it totally in her hands as far as designs. I think we're going to mess around with the Unfound logo just uh, a bit. Uh, I still love the Unfound logo. In fact, I will tell you that there was even a discussion I had with, I told you how I had an, um, um, a conversation with my assistants, Eric and Cherie, um, and we'll be having another one at the end of this month, that, you know, even thinking about, you know, does the logo need a change or something like that? And I think the, the logo for Unfound is one of the best things about it. But we are probably for some of the, things that are going to get created, we may mess around with the logo a little bit, add things to it. Maybe not the actual word unfound, but maybe something like missing persons podcast or something, you know, to more, you know, better uh, explain what people are looking at that might be added to it. Just not sure right at the second, but um, we're thinking about it. But the logo itself is certainly not going to change. But when it comes to merchandise, we might get a little funky with it here and there. We'll just have to see. But please be looking for that. I'll, of course, mention it when it's up and running. And uh, right at this point, I fully expect it to be better than anything we've done. Although it's a very low hurdle, um, it's going to be better than anything we, uh, you know, that's been done so far. Uh, even back when... You know, the, the Shopify store and I was running it, but it just got to the point that I, I got to the point where I thought managing that was actually um, hurting the quality of the podcast and me doing the work that needed to be done for the podcast. And then, you know, I, just to be blunt, I thought I found somebody to do it and it didn't work out. So um, I think it'll be different this time. So be looking for that. Moving on, I actually had, you know, one, this is one of those disappearances that um, it did get mentioned in an update episode, um, I think at least once since, it, since we covered the disappearance. But um, there is at least a little bit of an update on the disappearance of Julie Wefflin. You remember she was... Uh, in the state of Washington, she worked for a power company. She went out to this one, you know, area to look at something that wasn't working right. She never made it home. And when somebody went out there to look for it, it looked like there had been a struggle and things were on the ground. The door of the truck was open and she was never seen again. Uh, John Polos, a co-worker of hers, was the guest. And he believes that this man, Will Parks, who died in, what was it, 2020? Um maybe 2021, uh, was, you know, as the perpetrator of this, I'm not so sure about that, but I actually had somebody email me, uh, a couple days ago regarding Julie's disappearance. 
and I'm not going to get into the, you know a name what this person's name, but he's the son of a woman who used to date Will Parks. And so usually, just so you know what the standard operating procedure is for all of this, is that when I get information about disappearances, most of the time, if somebody like that contacts me, I don't respond to that person necessarily right away. Any information that I get like that goes directly to the guest. And then he he and I or she and I will discuss it for a little bit. You know, is this real? Is this fake? You know, what are we supposed to do? Of course, if I really, 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 really believe it's really hokey and and then the person's probably not going to get a response. I'll probably just tell the guest, you know, I got some crazy email today and I'll forward to the person. I may not respond. But if it's something that's more substantial, if it sounds like something that's actually real, if it's not just some psychic, you know, uh, going out uh, when there's a full moon out and all the planets are aligned and, and uh, or something like that, as long as it's something like that, um, I'll usually pass it along, and then I will respond to the email by just saying, I've sent this to the uh, to the guest for that episode, and if that person thinks uh, that it's worthy of a response, that person will get back to you. And it turns out that I, I think John and this guy are actually going to talk, and and this is something, you know, and as you maybe remember, John Polos has talked to a ton of people over the years about Julie Wefflin's disappearance. He's never spoken. He's never heard about this before at all. So um, John's very excited about it. So I'll let you, if I can say anything, I'll let you know. I don't know when the two are going to talk to see if, you know, um, this guy or his mother is going to say anything, if they have anything to offer, you know, regarding the disappearance and, about you know, if Will Parks is involved or not. But if I find anything out, I'll let you know. And if you're not familiar with Julie Wefflin's disappearance, please go back and find that one. Uh, Like I said, that must have been two years ago. Was that like May of 2021? I think Will Parks died. Or maybe it was three years ago now. I just, man, the years go by so fast. Um, Was it two years ago or three years ago? I just remember that the Will Parks died like in March of that year. And then John Polos came on uh, unfound a few months later because the reason he wouldn't come on originally is because Will Parks was still alive. Then Will Parks, I think, had a heart attack while driving and died. And then I found out about it. And John was like, oh, yeah, come on now. (laughs) So uh, and I was happy to have him Um, because John's a good guy. I don't agree with some of the conclusions that he's come to. But I continue to say uh, all these disappearances need more people like John Polos. That is certainly true. And then uh, one more thing before I get into some uh, national true crime news. Um, you know, there's some, I got a couple complaints about some sound issues, uh, you know, for this past Friday. I will admit that it was a little quieter than usual. And the reason that was is because um, – there were three people being interviewed and they were all using one phone. So the phone was sitting in, I think in the middle of them and they were all talking into the phone and that's how they wanted to do it. And I'm not here to tell people how to do these things, 
But you also have to remember that when I'll, I'll tell you how I edited that episode, where I was when I edited the audio for that episode. This is a true story. I was at a local cafe, local late night cafe. Some of you know that I go uh, to these places because I'm a, a night owl. And it, it really bothers me that every Starbucks in the area closes at 7 p.m. So instead, I have to go to these coffee, these late night coffee houses that I certainly, I think I look a little out of place in them. But, but this this one particular plays pretty good music. But I edited the audio for that episode in a loud late night cafe with music playing, and I could hear it just fine with all this background noise and everything else. So it. It's a little confusing to me than when people say, well, I couldn't hear it. So I don't know. Uh, I, I realize that a lot of people listen to these episodes under conditions that I cannot predict. But you also have to understand, I would never release an episode if I thought people couldn't hear it. I mean, what's the point? What am I doing? But if I can edit it, Granted, I have my Bluetooth headphones on, but there's music playing and all these other things in the background. And I can understand every word to the point even that you'll notice that I edited out a name that was there that was named a few times and I cut it out to the point that I could even hear that name every time and edit that out. So, um, you know, I just don't know what to think sometimes. I realize maybe somebody, some people may be losing their hearing and not knowing it or, or, or something, but sometimes I just don't know how to respond to these things. Uh, Kathy says the Julie Wefflin episode was May 22nd, 2020. So, wow, that was three years ago. It's going to be three years ago, Kathy, while time is flying. Okay, thank you, Kathy. I call her uh, the unfound historian. Thank you, Kathy. Everything says sounded fine to me. Stephanie says he looks totally different than I thought he would. I imagine him to have short hair and glasses. Who are you talking about, Stephanie? Uh, who are you talking about? So let's go to some um, national news. And I will start with this guy. Oh, about me. I imagine him to have short hair and glasses. I've never worn glasses, although I have short hair for most of my life. Not now. But, uh, no, I've never had to wear glasses, although I probably should. Because I'm starting to notice that when I read up things up close, although they're clear, I start to get like a headache right here. My, I think my eyes are working too hard. But, uh, okay, Stephanie, thanks. Uh, I want to talk about Philip Kahn. The state medical examiner for Maine has identified a man whose remains were found more than two decades, de decades ago. On July 24, 2000, the partially skeletonized remains of a man were found in the Atlantic Ocean, 27 miles offshore near the Grand Maine and Banks. Wednesday, the office of the chief medical examiner announced that the remains have been identified as those of Philip Kahn. He was 84 years old when he left Las Vegas. I was living there at the time and landed in New York City in July of 2000. It was not clear, so he landed there in July 2000. He was found in the water July 24th of 2000. It's not clear why or how Khan ended up off the coast of Maine. 
what Khan's remains were when Khan's remains were located, an autopsy was performed and DNA fingerprints were submitted to the FBI. In uh, 2019, the OCME contacted contracted with Parabon Nanolabs to analyze the DNA and attempt forensic geneal- genealogy. At that time, it was discovered that the remains were Ashkenazi Jewish, but forensic genealogy did not pr- produce any viable leads. In March 2022, the OCME met with the FBI's Criminal Justice Information Services, Deceased Persons Identification Service Division, and new technology helped connect the fingerprints and dental records to Khan, who had been reported missing in Las Vegas in 2000. What a crazy story. So guy goes missing from Las Vegas in 2000. Somebody knew that he had gone to New York in 2000, and then shortly after that, His body is found 27 miles offshore. And you should know that I looked him up. He was not on the Charlie Project. He was not on NamUs either. So it's just, um, obviously they had some sort of DNA, unclear, you know, and this is what makes, you know, trying to match these things up so difficult. And I know many of you have attempted to do this. Back before I started Unfound, I used to do this too. You'd be, you know, kind of had some free time. You'd go on NamUs, try to connect somebody who's missing with unidentified remains. And it thinks like, you think it would be so easy. But as soon as you start doing it, you know it's not. And so this is one of those situations. A guy goes missing from Las Vegas, and then remains are found out in the Atlantic Ocean. It's not something that you would ever connect, probably, even if they were on NamUs even if they were. Now, this is what makes, you know, this is what makes this all so difficult. Now, how did he, you know, end up 27 miles offshore? You know, could he have, um, you know, did he rent like a canoe or something? And was this like a a suicide or something? And maybe I should go to this next. I think there are reasons to believe that, um, this probably was a suicide, and I'm going to get to that. Well, this, this was the description when he was found. Estimated age was 60 to 65 years old. They were way off. He was actually over 80 years old. Approximate height and weight, that, that just, once again, shows you how difficult this can be. They were off by 20 years in describing him. <clears throat> um, uh, height between 5'11 and 6'1, 200 to 220 pounds. Distinguishing characteristics, gray hair, unknown eye color, no scars or tattoos noted. He had cardiac hyper, hyper, hypertrophy. Some medical students going to correct me on that. Coronary atherosclerosis. Man, no wonder I wasn't a doctor. Uh, emphysema and nephrosclerosis. All of that would lead me to believe that this was a suicide. Sounds like this guy had a lot of health issues going on. As a guy who has a father who's 86 years old, I can assure you my dad doesn't have any of that. In fact, I think my dad's going to be lived to be like 150. But obviously, Philip was uh, struggling with some health issues, not just one, but many. 
Uh, dentals available. Decedent has an unusual dental appliance. It is a Nesbit partial 234 with three missing. Uh, talks about his clothing, uh, fingerprints, uh, DNA was available. If I had to guess, I guess it's possible that, you know, I don't know the currents up there. Could it be that he went into the water and, and drowned and then the currents took him 27 miles offshore? Probably. But also we have to think about what are the odds? A guy is 27, a body is 27 miles offshore and somebody actually runs into it. Not literally, but figuratively. Actually, somebody comes across it. You talk about crazy, you know, a low probability of that happening, but it did. Did he jump? Did he go on a cruise ship and jump off? I guess there's a lot of different possibilities. He could have rented a boat and jumped off that, and the boat is found abandoned somewhere. Maybe the boat hasn't been found either. Uh, but I did look him up. He had, he had no criminal record that I could find. He had been married twice in Nevada, uh, one time to a Molly Silver in 1964, and then to a Jean Oliver in 1983. And she died in 2007. It's not clear to me, though, whether Jean and she were still married when he went missing in 2000. Very well, maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe she's the one that um, filed the um, missing persons report in Las Vegas. And really, I, although I didn't try very hard, it was un unclear to me whether this Philip guy had any children or not really could not find anything about his job really didn't I suppose I could if I really really like if this was an unfound episode I uh, really could dig into that but these are some of the things I found out about Philip Kahn that he'd been married at least twice in Clark County Nevada and then he lived there I'm inclined to believe that he spent mo he might have even grown up there might have even been born there so, but no criminal record. But I would have to say that this was some sort of trip uh, that was suicide-based. It just seems like that, given his age, the health issues, him being found in water so far offshore. That would be my best guess. Now, now that they've identified him, you know, maybe we'll find out something else. Maybe he was in the mob or something. I, I, I don't know. But maybe some of you saw that story. And now if you want to look it up. But I think what we can learn from this is it's hard to find people when you don't know that they're missing. I don't know if, you know, this is what makes the Internet tough. As soon as his name, you know, gets out there for being identified. It's hard finding stories going back years and years and years, unless you go to like newspapers.com and I couldn't find anything. He's not on the Charlie project. He's not on NamUs. How is anybody really, really, really supposed to know that he was missing at all? And this is uh, something that came up uh, just in the last couple of days on a disappearance that we surely will eventually cover on unfound where uh, I was talking about that woman who went, who left Pennsylvania, changed her identity, went to Texas, got married, had a child, then got divorced and killed herself because I think she had some mental issues. The reason she was able to pull that off is because, once again, she wasn't on NamUs. 
She wasn't on the Charlie Project. There was no readily, you know, easily found paperwork to even let the public know that this woman was even missing from uh, from Pennsylvania. So no wonder she was able to change our identity and beat somebody else for all these years. And in fact, if she had not uh, committed suicide like she did, she might have lived to this very day and still nobody would know who she really was. So what I take away once again from this Philip Kahn uh, identification is that, you know, the public wants to help. And I can't help but think that if this had been on NamUs, if he had been on the Charlie Project, then maybe this had been solved years ago. Just maybe. So you can look that up. Guy's name is Philip Kahn, uh, 1L Philip. And then Kahn is K-A-H-N. Is that how the Wrath of Kahn is spelled? I think it is. Philip Kahn, who uh, finally identified, he was found in July 2000 in the Atlantic Ocean, finally identified. Moving on. Um, I, I just have to talk about this for a moment. Uh, all of you heard about this um, police department in Laverne, Tennessee. You just gotta wonder. I have this. I don't. I'm not going to read the entire article, but if some of you haven't heard about it, I'm going to read it. It's already become a meme. It, it's all I'm seeing now. A bunch of my uh, friends on Facebook are making all sorts of jokes about this police department. But I'm going to read you at least part of the article. Uh, it is. It, it's not uh, safe for kids. Maybe it is, but you know what I mean. An investigation has revealed several Laverne police officers were having sex with each other. Some while on the job and inside city-owned property. The investigation started December 12th after Mayor Jason Cole received information from a source that Officer Megan Hall, woman, was having intimate relationships with other members of the Laverne Police Department. Those employees include Sergeant Lewis Powell, Powell, P-O-W-E-L-L, Officer Patrick Magliocho, Officer Larry Holliday, Detective Seneca Shields, and Officer Juan Lugo Perez. Yes, that's five. If anybody was counting at home, that was five different officers that Megan Hall was having sex with. And it seems that it was just not one at a time. All the men admitted to having undisclosed sexual relationships with Hall, the investigative report said. Shields told city officials Hall performed, I can't read that here, uh, on him while they were on duty inside the police department gym before returning to their desks to finish the work day. The situation is unacceptable, and as soon as it was brought to our attention, it was immediately investigated, and action was taken upon the individuals involved. The mayor said our top priority moving forward with will include rebuilding the public's trust. I have full confidence in the police department's leadership team and their ability to lead the department. We will be retraining, retraining all of our employees in the rules, regulations, and expectations set forth by city leadership. Do you really have to retrain people? Do do these people really not know that they're not supposed to be having sex on the job? Do they really not know that? It's, uh, 
Um, the report also uncovered a girls gone wild type party involving multiple officers and their families <clears throat> in a hot tub on a Laverne police, uh, police Sergeant Eric Statz's houseboat. The report says Hall's top came off and officers were drinking heavily. Uh, and you want to know uh, the Laverne Police Department has 60 people in it with 11 open sworn positions. Now you should know uh, Megan um, Hall is married. And it conflicting reports, but it does seem that her husband knew what she was doing. But as you would uh, remember, uh, probably believe, uh, a lot of memes out there. Lots and lots of memes regarding all of this. Of course, it's very sad. On top of that, it's very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. Now, we also have to realize something, though. Is that different... I realize in this day and age, you know, sexual harassment... And all of these things, Uh, of course, Harvey Weinstein and things that go on in Hollywood and everything. Police officers having sex with each other on the job is certainly worse than most other employees having sex with each other on any other type of job that exists. Uh, We have to believe that this certainly affected their performance, no pun intended. And only thinking of themselves, there is no way that um, they could be doing their duties as police officers and doing this as well. There is no way. In contrast to having lived in Las Vegas, having worked in entertainment in Las Vegas, I'm not saying that... um, in some of the work that I did there, anything necessarily got this crazy. But things went on. But once again, it's a, it's, it's a kind of different atmosphere. It's entertainment. We're not trying to protect anybody. We're not trying to save any lives. Um, there isn't a, uh, you know, um, a kind of trust that goes between the public and entertainers, like there is a trust between the public and police officers. So I'm not going to say, I realize this stuff goes on, but certainly it is worse when police officers are doing it. And I I don't know, I'm not sure how long it's been going on. But what I also know is that, you know, you just wonder where this comes from. You know, how does this all get started? Now, I realize that, unfortunately, there is infidelity out there. Easy for me to talk since I'm single. But um, but how, how horrible of a person do you have to be to be a police officer and doing this on the job? And uh, just... And I realize a lot of people are making fun of this, but it's not funny. 
you know, this is this is not funny. A bunch of people, we know egos, pride, vanity, all those humans, uh, sins, human flaws. And on top of that, all these people are carrying guns. So if you hadn't heard about that, uh, I will tell you that there are some stories that go into much more greater detail that uh, I guess would say R-rated or whatever, but I wanted to talk about it for a second. Um, it's just really disgusting. You know, we <clears throat> we talk about corruption once in a while, and police departments aren't unfound. Uh, this is certainly uh, a different type of corruption, but it is certainly corruption nonetheless. So if you want to look it up, just look up the Laverne Police Department in Laverne, Tennessee. This is kind of um, uh, just come to light within the past week. And a bunch of police officers having sex with each other. It seems like there was only one female police officer, but it was several men. Maybe some of these other men's wives and girlfriends got involved in, you know, it makes it sound like with this thing on this boat, maybe, but come on. I'm not here to get inside people's bedrooms. And I realize that there are people that do these things, but how about just doing it off the job? How about that? Just unbelievable. Moving on. I just also want to talk about, I want to read the story about UFOs. Got to talk about UFOs. The Pentagon's new office for investigating potential UFO sightings received hundreds of new reports in 2022. And while it can explain more than half of these events, a sizable chunk remains a mystery. Within the new batch of sightings, the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, only a government, uh, only government could come up with the name of that, and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence say they're focusing on some 171 cases, including some in which objects appear to have demonstrated unusual flight characteristics or performance capabilities and require further analysis. The Office of the Director of National Intelligence on Thursday released an unclassified version of the government's new report on UFOs. The annual report stems from a law that also requires the ODNI to send Congress a classified version of the report each year. Since it was formed last summer, the All-Domain Anomaly Research Office has received 366 reports of unidentified aerial phenomenon. Uh, that, that total reflects 247 new UAP reports and another 119 that occurred before March 2021 but hadn't been included in an earlier preliminary report. The new numbers indicate a steep rise in UAP sightings. The preliminary pro- report released in June 2021 listed just 144 reports over a 17-year period. With the subsequent additions, the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, or AARO, thank you, had 510 UAP reports in its files at the end of August 2022. Officials say they believe the rise in UAP reports is due to U.S. government efforts to destigmatize the topic of UAP and instead recognize the potential risks the phenomenon poses, both as an aviation hazard and potential adversarial activities such as foreign intelligence efforts. Out of the 366 reports, the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office's initial analysis found that 195 of the objects had shown unremarkable characteristics, saying that they were linked to common activities. 
The bulk of those reports, 167, were attributed to balloons or balloon-like entities, the government said. Another 26 were found to be various types of drones, and six reports were attributed to clutter, clutter, a category that includes plastic bags, weather phenomenon, and burns, and birds. <laughs> clutter, birds, that's funny. Uh, alien update. So far, though, no aliens. The report does not include the word alien, but weeks before the report was released, journalists asked two senior officials whether their work had turned up any anomalies that might signify beings visiting Earth, Earth from outer space. At this time, the answer is no, we have nothing, said Ronald Moultrie, the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security. He later added, we have not seen anything that would lead us to believe that any of the objects we have seen are of alien origin, if you will. So, uh, and the article goes on. There are many, many articles uh, written. That one came from NPR. Now, I will give you my opinion on all of this. Now, granted, I will tell you, I do not believe in UFOs. I don't know. When I say that, I mean, I don't believe aliens coming from other planets and and all of that stuff, okay? It's just not within my belief system. I know people will go on and on and on about what are the odds that Earth is the only planet with intelligent life, with people being able to build rockets that actually can escape a planet's atmosphere. I get it. Okay, I understand. But that's that's just my thinking. And it doesn't even come from a standpoint of a religious belief or anything like that. It just sounds crazy to me. Now, so given that, do I think this is, um, you know, uh, is this a national security issue? I don't think so. Um, you know, I, I, I'm into planes. I'm in, you know, I love to watch videos on, uh, you know, military stuff. And in fact, I was, I work, I was working today. I was watching a documentary on World War II. And let's just admit something. And this is just, I'm not, just not saying this because I'm a stupid American. Um, everybody rips off us. We, you know, when it comes to military stuff, we don't rip off other people. They rip off us. All the design and all the cutting edge stuff is done in the United States. You know, we design stuff, and then a few years later, it seems that uh, China, for example, is designing a stealth fighter that looks exactly like ours. It's not theirs don't come out first. Ours come out first. So to believe that any other country, any other entity is designing stuff that really goes you know, way past anything that the United States has ever designed is just not believable. If they could do that, they would not be ripping off the United States military as much as they do. If they could do that stuff, they would take all their spies out of the United States, go back to their countries, and just, you know, commit all their work to the stuff that, you know, flies 10 times past the speed of sound and everything else. Hello, Marky. How are you? Good to see you. So is this a national security issue? No. I do not believe that that there is any country out there that has some sort of tech that we can't identify, that we can't catch, that we can't shoot, nothing like that. I do not believe that for a second. Now, could this be some sort of uh, top-secret American program? Could be. 
could be. And this would kind of go along with the history of many, you know, secret programs in that we have to realize something when it comes to uh, a country as big as the United States, with a government as big as the United States, with a military as big as the United States, and all this stuff that goes on. A lot of times the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. And that's the way it is supposed to be. It could be that, you know, we have these uh, top secret programs that are being developed like at Area 51 or Groom Lake, whatever you want to call it. In Nevada, there's also a site over in Utah or wherever else. They could be designing things that are military, but that doesn't mean like the rest of the military knows about it for very good reasons. So very well may be that it's, this is really not, you know, U.S. government versus China government or North Carolina, uh, North Carolina, North Korea government or Russian government or military or whatever. It could be just the very public U.S. military happening upon something of the very, very secret U.S. military. I'm certainly open to that. Still, a lot of these things that are explained just do seem to defy the laws of physics, the way they are described. And to my knowledge, uh, you know, I, I don't think anybody's throwing out Ein, Albert Einstein's ideas yet. So is it aliens? Of course not. I will go to this, and this kind of, you know, goes right into, um, although i am never been in the military and never aspired to fly a plane or anything else, um, most likely this is something that we run into quite a bit with disappearances. Really, a lot of people just making stuff up. Now, you may say, well, you know, we have these videos. What about those videos from the, those, those, um, those military planes? They had their radar on this, and this thing was flying way faster than the, the speed of sound, way faster than the jets could fly, and it, it looked like it was just hovering there and everything else. You have to remember something. These things are not being seen necessarily with the naked eye. Very little of what we do with the military in the 21st century has anything to do with the naked eye. Why? Because the naked eye only has a range of so many yards. Whereas we now, we use very sophisticated machines, computers, and everything else to see many, many, many miles away, hundreds, if not, you know, thousand miles away. Of course, we have radar and can look out into space and everything else, which means these images can be altered. It could be that the, the machine, the, the, something isn't calibrated correctly. There are these things are so sophisticated, and they're being designed by humans, which means mistakes are always possible. I've even read somewhere where it does seem that a lot of these sightings by the U.S. military, a lot of times it seems they happen right when they are introducing new software or some new sort of sensor or something. A lot of these things pop up. Do we think that's a coincidence? I, you know, although I'm perfectly willing to believe that things have been designed and uh, created that eventually 
you know, we'll know about them just like we eventually became aware of like the B2 bomber that, um, you know, is stealthy and like the F-117, which if you don't know, we don't even use those anymore. I mean, that was cutting edge in the 80s into the 90s. We don't even use those anymore. Not one is being flown anywhere. The, the F-17 stealth fighter doesn't even exist anymore. But that was a very secret program. And there were reports, people who go out to Area 51, they're seeing these flying triangles. Yeah, they ended up being flying triangles. Um, but wasn't aliens. In the end, I think the, the tech and everything was very straightforward. In fact, uh, military designers have known about stealth since like the 1940s when radar um, became a big thing. They noticed that certain objects and certain things designed would not have as big a radar signature as other things. So we are kind of new about stealth going back to the 1940s. So I just think a, a lot of these sightings are just lies. People love attention. We, we've learned that with disappearances too. How many crazy stories do we hear? You don't hear them because I try to filter, filter them out from the um, from the interviews because what I think I know is once you start accepting crazy stories, all you're going to start getting are more crazy stories. And uh, just like when, you know, people, you know, start a reward to solve a disappearance. What do you get? People coming out of the woodwork. Well, that's kind of, I think, what you're hearing in this article that, they say, well, you know, uh, you know, reportings and sightings went up. Why have they gone up? Because the profile of the whole thing. It's, to me, the way I look at it as a human, as a, an adult, having lived on this earth and for 52 years, they said something about, well, the reports are up because this is being destigmatized. Since when has any UFO person ever been fearful about coming forward about seeing UFO? Has anybody noticed all of the, you know, not that I go to these places, but I know that they exist, all of the forums and everywhere else where people love talking about UFOs. UFOs are big business in the United States, talking about them, selling books and everything else, destigmatize. I think instead what's going on is, oh, somebody's going to listen to my UFO story. Great. I'm going to tell one. It's not destigmatizing. You just get more liars because people love attention. Like we know that they, they do for disappearances where people just create stories out of thin air. I would not, I know it sounds interesting. I know maybe a lot of you are big X-Files fans, even though I do not believe in the supernatural and UFOs and aliens and everything. X-Files at least those first years with Mulder and Scully, like 93 to 99 or 2000, some of the best TV I have ever watched. I would say the only series that I like more than the X-Files is probably Sopranos, probably. Even, you know, even though I'm not, I don't have a lot of mafia interests, I don't have a lot of uh, science fiction, you know, at least in real life interests. But I would not want to be one of these people who has to investigate these things. Because I, I, I think I, what I think I know is that too many people are more than happy to send these people all over the countryside on wild goose chases. 
That's what I think about all this. Uh, one more thing before I get to Friday's episode. I want to talk about Athena Brownfield. And I want to thank uh, listener D who brought this to my attention. This little girl, four years old, uh, serial girl is now considered a recovery operation. The Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation announced on Monday. It was discovered that Athena Brownfield was missing when a postal carrier found her five-year-old older sister outside the home of Alicia and Ivan Adams with no adult supervision on January 10th. The postal carrier notified the serial or Cyril police department and that prompted the search for Athena's whereabouts. The girls had been in the Adams care for at least a year. My understanding, uh, Dee told me that these two people, one of them is a cousin of, uh, uh, of Athena's mother, and her mother is in jail. Alicia Adams is facing two counts of child neglect, and Ivan Adams is facing one count of first-degree murder and one count of child neglect. So I'm, I guess they think that, although Athena has not been found yet, that she was murdered. Ivan was arrested in Phoenix on January 12th and is awaiting extradition to Oklahoma. Alicia was arrested on January 12th and is currently in the Caddo County Jail. At this time, they, these are accusations, and neither party has been convicted of any crime related to this investigation. According to the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation, Brownfield and her sister are related to Alyssa Adams. There you go. It's unclear how they are related. Like I said, I think it's a cousin. The biological parents of the sisters have been interviewed and are cooperating with the investigation, uh, although, like I said, I think the mother's in jail. The public is asked not to sell, self-deploy to search for Brownfield. Individuals who search for Athena on their own could be trespassing or worse, interfering with the investigation by contaminating potential evidence, the Bureau said. Authorities continue to search Caddo County for Athena's remains. If you have information about the case, call the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation at 800-522-8017 or email tips at osbi.ok.gov that you can rename, you can remain <coughs> anonymous. So what happened here? Hard to tell. I've read like four different articles. If I had to guess, I'm guessing we're going to find out that Alicia and Ivan have drug problems. So I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess that something happened while they were doing drugs and might have hurt Athena, or did did Athena get uh, her hands on some of these drugs by mistake? Certainly could be uh, child trafficking, could be, but then we have to wonder why wasn't the sister involved in this as well? But... My guess is this is all going to eventually go down to those two people taking care of these two little girls being on drugs and these two people barely being able to run their own lives, let alone take care of two little girls. And that's why the older girl, the five-year-old, was out wandering around by herself. Very, very, very sad. I just, I just don't know. Just very, It's just very sad. Um. I don't know uh, if we'll ever be able to do uh, anything about this uh, realistically. These these kids deserve better. They certainly do. As for this Friday, 
Um, I've been wanting to do this for a while, and I'm going to take the opportunity to do this this Friday. I'm going to take all of the listeners to school. What I realized kind of over the Christmas break, or I didn't have a break, but Christmas time, is that I talk so much in the episodes about my speaking engagements and what I tell um, the students and how I break these disappearances down into uh, different categories and, and everything. And I realized from, you know, a lot of people, they're probably wondering, well, you know, what the heck is he talking about? And this maybe been a little bit of a disconnect there that a lot of people realize I've spoken at these schools, but most of you don't know what I actually say while, while I'm there. The only people who actually get to see the videos are premium Patreon members and people who have subscribed and in, in, are supporters of the YouTube channel, which is a very small part of the unfound audience as a whole. So this Friday, I'm going to play a presentation that I made uh, to one of the schools. And you will hear me talk about myself. You'll hear me talk about, go through right from what is a disappearance. We're going to go through all of the types. I will get to what is going wrong with investigations. How can we correct them? How, um, how disappearances do get solved. And then at the end, you will also get to hear me answer questions from the students. And it's, I haven't figured out what presentation it's going to be yet. It's either going to be the one that I did at Franklin, uh, at, at uh, Florida Southern College in Lakeland uh, in September of 2022, or it's going to be the one that I did at Florida International last year, uh, March of 2022. I haven't decided yet, or it might be another one. They're all kind of similar, but they do have varieties as well. So if you've ever wondered what it's like to sit in a class with me up at the, the, the front uh, teaching people about disappearances, you're going to get to hear that this Friday. And I think this will be a good setup for the rest of the year because eventually this year I am going to be offering – uh, classes on teachable.com about how to learn about disappearances and just classes on disappearances. You pay to uh, learn how to investigate them, how to research them, how to analyze them, and dare I say, maybe even start your own podcast. That is going to be something that's also happening this year eventually uh, once I put it all together. So this will be a nice springboard for all of that. That's what's happening this Friday. So I'm taking you all to school. That's all I got. Went a little over two hours tonight. Hope you all had. There hasn't been a lot of commenting uh, here late in the show. Maybe you've all just been so enthralled. I hope so. But that's it. Did a lot tonight. Uh, Talked about personal stuff, going to the doctor, disc golf, air fryer. Um, And then talked about, unfortunately, the, the death of Justin Darr. Talked about some other things that are going to be happening this year. Talked about the sex at the police department, Philip Kahn. Um, talked about Athena, uh, this little girl, Athena Brownfield. Talked about UFOs. Got it all done tonight. That's all I got. If you got in late, 
you, of course, can watch from the beginning again, or you can wait for the audio version to come out sometime tomorrow. Good night, everyone. <laughs>